Hey, this is Book Circle Online. Today, we are going to be discussing Cheryl Strayed's memoir, Wild. Cheryl was in a state of crisis after her mother died and her marriage was destroyed. So with nothing left to lose, she embarked on a three-month trek across the Pacific Crest Trail. Wild details the terrors and triumphs of her experiences on the trail, and we are very excited to talk about it today. I'm Jeffrey Masters. Please introduce yourselves. I'm Kylie Hodges. I'm Cassidy Gard. And I'm Sean O. From the Library of Maria Menounos, this is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. Cool, let's get started. I guess, first question, what were your initial thoughts on the book on the whole? Overall, I liked it. Um, at first, it, it didn't... I. I liked how it just jumped into, like, her hiking on the trail right away. It didn't start from, like, the beginning of the story, you know, which was, would I guess would be almost at her birth. Right. But, <laughs> but uh, I liked, I, I typically don't like memoirs, but I like this one, and I think it's because it just jumps around so much, and it makes it entertaining that way. Yeah, from the first page, you're just, like, thrown in, and you're finding out about her entire life, which is not going so well at first. I was, like, I was very overcome with, okay, like, your mother, and then your divorce, and then all this while you're, like, a senior in college, and then dealing with it. And um, I I loved it. And I loved her writing style. I thought it was beautiful and honest and poetic. And I think sometimes these poetic writers, they like run the line of cliche. But for me, it never went over towards that. So I really enjoyed it. You know, I have to agree with you guys about a couple things. Um, Sean, I, I did love the beginning. And in fact, the beginning hooked me. And I was very overwhelmed. I caught myself. I started this book on an airplane. And within 20 minutes, I'm like crying like, <laughs> secretly next to the person on the plane. Because her, the way she talked about losing her mother, I mean, I feel like anybody would feel that way when it comes to losing a parent. You're obviously overwhelmed. And, yeah. and I got very caught up in that. But then because the beginning of it was so... Um, overwhelming and intense, I, I felt I lost a little interest midway through. I feel like I kind of hit a plateau. But then the last three quarters of the book hooked again. I think it was her relationships with the people that she encountered along the way are what I enjoyed the most. And I really liked the ending. And I, I felt I kind of had grown with her throughout the book. And I, um, uh, I, I enjoyed the way that she kind of gently summed it out up without giving too much of an epilogue. Yeah. I thought it was very smart for her as well. Like the last fourth of the book was sped up a lot on the yes. trail. And um, I, I was okay with it, but I also thought that was like a smart writer. I mean, like, okay, we can't drag this out any farther. Yeah. But what did you think, Cassidy? Well, initially I kept seeing the author's name, which was Cheryl Strayed. And I was wondering, where is this Strayed coming from? It was I was so intrigued as to how it went along with Wild. So that was probably one of the more exciting parts of the book was finding out how it came about for her choosing that and I and let's love, go into it. She chose it herself. Yeah. I thought that was like a beautiful, powerful part. I love the idea because she said she couldn't go back to the person that she was before with the the name that she grew up with and her mom. It was just too deep. And then having, you know, the husband's name was just not something she wanted to do. So I think it's really symbolic and awesome. I wish more people would do that. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I'd never heard of that. I thought it was amazing. Unfortunately, in our culture, we're given names. But uh, when yeah, there's a lot of cultures out there, I, I want to say like Native American cultures where you're or there, there's even some other ones. I can't I can't name them right now. I can't think of them. But where you are not given a name at all until you're in your adolescence or you hit puberty and then you earn a name somehow, which is really unique. 
And that's Native Americans. And so it'd be like running horse electricity. Yeah. <laughs> or, bolt. or wind in his hair. Okay. <laughs> Did you guys ever read Hatchet as a kid? Yes. Okay, so for me, when I was reading this, it was like the grown-up version of Hatchet because I was obsessed as that book with the book and how he was in the wild looking for food, eating birds, and to read this version and have her reflection on her mom and how it brought her to this journey, it was kind of cool because I grew up with Hatchet and then now I've kind of evolved to identifying more with uh, with Cheryl. Yeah, that's nice. And I thought it was just amazing how honest she was about herself as like a human being, but all aspects, be it the drug use and the cheating. And I thought it was displayed very like eloquently written. But do you think that would have been off-putting to some people? Was it to you guys? I think to some people, yeah. But I liked the honesty. To kind of reverberate what you said earlier, one of the lines that I liked the most in the book was, I could see the outline of his penis through his tight white nurse's trousers on page 42 when she's talking about the male nurse in, like that's taking care of her mother. And I was like, wow, wow, this is this really sets, for me, it really set the tone of the book. And it's kind of like one of those, those transient thoughts that for all of us as humans that goes through our mind, but then because of our societal influences, we kind of like, okay, like let's get rid of that. Like that's an uncomfortable thought. And it was just nice to see her express that on paper. Yeah. It, this like fully formed woman with sexual desires. I mean, the ladies, did you think that was surprising to read? I really liked it. I really enjoyed the honesty. And I'm not going to lie, those little tidbits where she's talking about seeing the nurses, male nurses junk, even though she's going through this awful moment, like, you know what? I've been in situations where I'm thinking, oh my God, Kylie, what the hell is wrong with you for having a thought like that right now? <laughs> she's just human. And and the, the story was very human. And and uh, I completely appreciated that. And I can, I can relate. I don't have drug issues or that many marital problems that we but, can talk about yeah, right uh, well i've had moments <laughs> where when i'm in a state of just like confusion or not my best sometimes i just like obsess with whatever's in front of me i'll like daydream away and then i'll just notice something and i keep staring at it so i imagined her in the room just kind of in a place of distraught just thinking of her mom and just happened to like catch her eye on it and she really shared in that moment how it made her feel and that it was you know catching her eye clearly yeah It's so bizarre to read uh, clearly her mother's death had this massive impact and while she's dying and that's devastating for somebody. But it was so interesting to read that these sexual desires are still there even in the same room, like you were saying with the nurse. It was just um, like fascinating to read. Agreed. What did you guys think about she still had these sexual desires, but she's finding it in random people like nurses as opposed to her husband who she writes about how she pushed away, pushed away. Did you... What did you guys think of that? I thought that was interesting. About her pushing her husband away? Well, she's, like, pushing her husband away, but then having sexual desires, and she still has that urge for, like, the nurse, but then she doesn't want to be with her husband as much. You know, I actually, that's one thing that I've thought about a lot throughout the book, um, is I don't, I don't think I fully understand why it is that she fell out of love with Paul. Is it because it was, like, her body was just kind of like ridding of her past life. I think yeah. uh, to me it was that she did could not see herself being happy. She was so unhappy with herself. She like hated herself and she was going to hate every part of it, even the uh, good parts. And she, there was no way she could have accepted help mm-hmm. from even her husband. Sure. Was there a part in the book? I may be kind of confusing this with other people's lives, but it feels like in, in, in the book with her and her husband, Paul, right? Yes. That, 
she, they got they got married kind of young and it was kind of like quick. It was like a quick mm-hmm. forced kind of thing, like an expectation that was like put upon her, and that's why she did it. And she didn't necessarily like really, really like fall in love with him. That's what it kind of felt like for me. Oh, I, I disagree. I thought that they were madly in love, and I thought for it was, a time. Um, I mean, even when they were signing the divorce papers and holding hands under the table and crying, and they kissed each other goodbye, like that's to me, that's not a normal divorce. Yeah. It seemed like they had a very childish relationship um, because they fell in love young, and it seemed like they kind of were still kids. They hadn't matured yet, and so the relationship was still very, like, tumultuous and immature as well. Um, but I do believe that they really, truly were in love. And I'm thinking about a time towards the end of the book when she talks about um, building a, a gazebo with her mom and with Paul that they got married in and and all those little moments um, on her farm that she grew up on that she also shared with him, and it was like they were giddy and in love. And yeah. Those sorts of things. I mean, if her mother had not died, um, I would venture to say possibly her and Paul would have stayed together. Her, like, mental state would have been okay and accepting of his love, and there wouldn't be this crushing power that told her to reject it. I agree. I completely agree. I think in a moment like that, she just couldn't carry the weight of herself and giving attention and time to Paul because she was grieving so much for his, her mom. But I think that the beginning of their courtship and marriage sounded really exciting and beautiful and fun. And it was interesting because she had kind of, you know, more unconventional childhood farming and living in these little cabins. But then she did something really conventional, which is have a, a marriage and it was traditional in the beginning before she started her affairs, which is a whole other topic. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I just, um, going back to the like hurt, the devastation she felt with her mom, that's kind of what I gathered why she decided to take the trip on the trail because she wanted like her body to physically feel like as bad as she did mentally. And that's the only other way to do it. Then it's more socially acceptable than cutting yourself, you know? And I think she wanted to. I think um, I kind of see it as she approached it like it was a cleansing. You know, in the sense that she couldn't do drugs. Um, she couldn't be with men. She couldn't abuse herself any more than whatever you could do in the woods. But it was, it was a seclusion from her past life. And it was kind of like a restart. And I think that that was... I mean... It made me want to go hiking, but not because I have problems, but because, you know, I wanted to have some sort of experience where I could, I could have that, that, that refresh and that restart and the opportunity to completely restart Kylie as a whole. And I, I really appreciated that about the story. I kept reading it as a disconnect and I know it was 1995, so it wasn't as much about cell phones and the internet because it wasn't as big in her life. But reading it, I thought, how great would it be not to be getting text messages and videos sent to you and emails? And it's a way to really get away from everybody you know and kind of figure out who you are all over again. Because for a while, she was wrapped up in her marriage with Paul, and she was a wife, and she was a daughter. But she wasn't as much separate from that. She didn't have her career figured out. She knew she wanted to write, but... She kind of just said wherever city she ended up in, she would work there and find something. But you know it wouldn't probably fuel her as much as telling her story. So the disconnect part is what I was 
really uh, feeling from her as well as the cleansing that comes from being disconnected from everyone else. I feel like it really was a spiritual journey, a spirit mm-hmm. quest, like a lot of Native Americans refer to. And they even uh, they even refer to that in the book. I forgot. Yeah. She's having a conversation with one of the guys at a campfire, and he and she's just describing her whole journey so far. And he, he just says to her, like, you're on a spirit jewel quest you're on a yeah. spirit quest here's here's the bob marley shirt <laughs> <laughs> and so i feel like these books are so popular now like the journey as catharsis it's kind of like the idealized like eat pray love yeah. and it's like oh camping and hiking like i'm sure she knew it was gonna be hard but and like hiking at the end of the day it's very simple it's just walking like you can force your body to do that and um I, I don't know. I think I don't think she thought it was gonna be campfires and marshmallows, but I think I don't think she ever predicted it to be as bad as it was and hard. I don't know. Have you guys ever gone camping or hiking I, like that? I have never done it to the extent that she's done it, obviously. But um, I've done a lot of day hikes, and she she even talks about it in the book. Uh, Cheryl even refers to like, oh, but I saw a bunch of day hikers, you know, and like yeah, she they have it easy. We have it easy as day hikers. We just go out there. We go out there for like 30 minutes, an hour, a couple hours tops, and then we can go back to the safety and warmth of our beds. Whereas she was out there for months, a whole summer. Yeah. And she was just punishing her body and her mind. She yeah. was secluded. The the time where she was running out of water, I was like, oh, my God, she's dead. Yeah, yeah I she's gonna she be gonna a pile die. of bones, and some weird frogs are gonna eat her. I was like, this is gonna come into the wild. Like, it's about her dead body now. Like, I did not see this coming. <laughs> I don't know how this is a memoir, but I know she dies. <laughs> how descriptive was her writing about the frogs? I could feel oh. them crawling yeah. on me. I could feel the night air and the desert, and mm-hmm. you know that little pond area. I was feeling all of it. Yeah, she was such a good storyteller. Yeah, you know, like about the um, finding like the rifle in the bottom of the car when she's getting ride, and then he's reaching down there you're like oh great another death (laughs) just kidding it's licorice but i'm going back to the hiking i have i'm from north carolina i'm an eagle scout if i can brag oh thank you applause applause thank you lady gaga um (laughs) i have a lot of experience camping i've gone out for you know like 15 days in the wilderness yeah i know if you're um, just listening to us at home, I'm very buff, very strong. <laughs> I have a six-pack abs. Um, so I'm on wearing pa- a plaid shirt. <laughs> <laughs> really Darn it, and glasses. <laughs> um, on paper, she should not have succeeded. I just think there were so many obstacles that she faced, be it like hypothermia and dehydration, the food, the bears, but also um, not to be condescending, but a lot of the mistakes she was making were very um, rookie. That had she taken even one camping trip on her own, she could have solved it. It would not have been a problem. There are these elementary things that may be frustrated that, oh, this is such a massive undertaking. It's been three months out there. Like, it could have saved her so much trouble had she gone, like, one overnighter. She totally owns up to that, though. Absolutely. She calls herself a rookie, like, every Absolutely. other... And an <laughs> idiot and all this stuff. And I thought it was funny that she... There was a lot of mistakes that she didn't learn th- from throughout the book. Like, I... Well, I guess I can't say that I get it because I've never done this before, but she had such a desire for Snapple lemonade. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I was like, okay, girl, I get it. Like, you've had these wild, crazy cravings. But, like, you have five cents. You know, like the the money thing is what just killed me. Me too. She's like, if I I have just enough money to eat a cheeseburger, and then I'm thinking, well, what are you gonna do when the cheeseburgers come? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Cheryl, you were an old waitress. How dare you not leave a tip? Yeah, that too. <laughs> come on, you leave those two cents. That's better than nothing. I know. 
But um, <laughs> these are like life-threatening obstacles that she was facing. Yeah. Yeah. It was written so cinematically, too, though. Like you were saying, like, it starts off, she her boots gone over the mountains. She's polarized with fear, and she's like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to throw the other one out. And I could just see, like, the boot flying and then the title Wild popping yeah. up, you know? And I was like, this will be a movie. As yeah. you know, yeah. it will be. It, it's going to be. And it's like, how did we get to that point? You know, I like how they do that oh, the flashbacks yeah. over and over again. It's To me, it, it was just like we were being hit by, like, different waves. Yeah. Like, some small waves, some big ones, over and over again from her past. And it was really neat to feel that. And it felt like... I, it felt like I was her. Like, we were living literally in her shoes and, like, reliving not only her present tense, like, going yeah. on the PCT, but also just her her life that she was telling in, like, every flashback she had. I think it would have been possibly boring without the flashbacks. I was just going to say, I think that was a perfect pacing. Because the my least favorite parts of the book were the ones where she spends a lot of time talking about being in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it sound like I, I hated the whole book. Yeah. But, but uh, God, I wish I had an example. But there was plenty of sections where I was like, all right, I understand you're in a lot of turmoil. Your feet hurt. Well, I, See, I, let's I, move forward. I was the opposite. I was skipping over some of the flashback stuff because I was like, okay, we get it. You're, sorry, but your mom died. And oh. there was a certain point where I just wanted to read about in the moment what was she doing to survive because sometimes I don't think she did it as much, but sometimes people can ramble about the family stuff and it gets a little monotonous and I wasn't as interested in her siblings for some reason. I just oh, interesting. didn't find them to be that intriguing. See, I found flashbacks and trail life to be equally entertaining. Mm-hmm. And I thought the flashbacks added a um, bit of necessary drama to, yes. to the book. Yes. You know, um, there's a very intense, like, it's very intense to be on the trail, but it can be a little, like, of the same. Right. And so hearing about, like, Joe and the heroine and then the brother's party and then shooting the horse, I was just like, oh. oh, yeah. oh. The horse thing. Oh, I my was just, It was I know. so horridly vivid. <laughs> Absolutely. It really was. And I still, well, I don't even know if I want to talk about it, but it's like, how did it not work? Because it's not, it's not like in the movies. <laughs> I guess not, obviously. Oh, God. It just made Ugh, me wonder, like, bad. Grandpa, have you ever done it? Yeah, Grandpa was... Poor advice giver. Maybe they were just off by a few centimeters to the point oh. where it just it didn't hit the right like part of the brain, and the horse ended up being alive still. Yeah, oh, that one but that al- made my stomach hurt. Yeah. Also, though, I think the, the, you were talking about you didn't like Kylie, uh, like her talking about hiking, which we did. Um, I did because um, when you're on the trail, especially when you're alone, those are the thoughts that's going on in your mind. It's just like. Your body is so physically tired, emotionally you're tired, and yet you're looking at these beautiful sights all around you, like these crazy greens that you've never seen the shades of. And I liked it. I can appreciate that, and I understand about the, your your brain just checks into another zone when you're in that sort of um, strenuous work 24-7. Um, I think it was more, I just felt like... The vignettes of the flashbacks and the trail had hit a point where they were, they were kind of, I just wasn't as drawn into them. And I really think that the part where it picked up for me the most was when she met the two girls. I feel like that was when she's more, more action started happening on the trail besides like lizards and tripping over, you know, a I was I excited know. when a she tree. met the, the cute guy and they went on their little adventure, mini adventure to the oh, ocean yeah. together. I was actually expecting... That exciting for me. I kind of was expecting to read in the epilogue something about um, 
uh, her and him, like, touching base or getting married or dating later on. So I'm kind of surprised that he was not the one. But, uh, you know. With me, I actually felt like the flashbacks, I, I kind of agree with you, Jeff, that the flashbacks and the present tense stuff, it actually made it, t- it made it kind of like you took a break from each thing. And it was really nice to jump back and forth like that. Um, I and Getting over uh, Kylie to the, the part about Jonathan, I actually felt like the book was going to end right there. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, please don't, don't make oh, it end. Oh, with him. Yeah, with mm. him. I thought it was going to be like, oh, I'm going to give up my quest now. I'm just going to be with this guy because he's so awesome. And yeah. I'm glad it did not go that way. Oh, my gosh. But I had more faith in her. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, had, I had faith in her because sometimes she just didn't even want to walk in groups. She just wanted to be alone. So I thought... There's no way that she's not going to end this now. But I really was fascinated that she didn't want to take that opportunity to have company on the trail. She was talking so much about the different lives she led as, like, a hippie and an emo and the different um, Cheryls that existed. And to me, this was, like, a palate cleanser. And I thought it was so interesting that she was aware, even, like, two-thirds of the way through the hike, that I'm still here alone. I still need to, like, cleanse a little bit more. Yeah, she totally hit it and quit it with Jonathan. And I'm surprised that she went on that day trip with him. Really? Yeah, I mean, it kind of seemed like she was just, all right, I'm down to hang out tonight, but i got to get back to Monster. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Monster became, like, her dog, her she, baby. I think she knew she had to get that touch because she writes a lot about craving, like, the human touch on the trail or just the fact that she wished someone was, like, lying beside her at some point just to feel them, like, in the little tent. So I think she she needed that reboot of a little human interaction. I agree. And I think that the story also needed it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's just because she was a sexual character or if that's like Hollywood training us that there needs to be sex in a story. But um, I thought that it was like it just completed it knowing that she did get have sex, you know. I think because of how much she talked about um, her past life in a sexual way, it needed to have some sort of fulfillment in the present with that that aspect of things because she talked about her past sex life and it's like well is she just going to have a complete dry spell on the road it it sort of sums it up that there's still that old tiny bit of old Cheryl in there still was anybody else not because it's her specifically but just the way she talks about men and affairs surprised that she was so um into condoms because I feel like in the (laughs) 90s the mid 90s maybe people were a little more just like Whatever, let's go with it. But she, if, if I'm remembering correctly, had to wait until they went to the drugstore and went on the beach to use a yeah. condom before they finally slept together. I feel like it might have been because she already had had an abortion. Oh, like I don't that know. same year. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, obviously, she felt so guilty about not being worthy of a mother to ha- go through with having that child that it's like, well, I get it. I screwed up. I'm not going to make that mistake again. But she probably wasn't all about the condoms before that. Otherwise, she wouldn't have gotten pregnant, obviously. <laughs> no, she, she said she was not. Yeah, yeah she, she owned up to it. No, I guess you were surprised by that, though. Yeah, I just was. No, it didn't strike me as weird at all. I thought it was funny the amount she brought. Yeah, yeah she brought a whole she pack, was, right? She like was planning on having sex with many a people in She was the, underestimating the how smelly and dirty she would be. <laughs> You know, everybody oh. thought she was pretty on the trail. Yeah. She was in her mid-20s. Yeah. 
she's out there alone, a, like a college student, and she just refers to how everybody's like, "Oh, you're a pretty lady. Yeah. What do you do now here, all alone by your lonesome?" Yeah, have that... you guys ever googled the actual pictures? They're yeah. fun to look at. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, I, and it also shows how massive her pack was. Mm-hmm. As drawing on my experience as a hiker, I would probably say it might have been like seventy-five pounds Jeez. even, which is just like unheard of. It's I, it was like crippling to read because I was like, girl. Ask like one person. <laughs> I, I even thought to myself like strategies because I'm not I'm not a big avid hiker, so I would think like okay, at least try to hoist it up and put it on the bed oh. and then get it on, but not from the ground. Yeah. She did say though, like which is very true, that since she is alone, she has to carry everything. Yeah. Whereas like with a buddy, you're like, hey, you take the tent, I'm gonna take the pot, you know, <laughs> the you, pot and pan, not pot. <laughs> when I was reading it though, I literally felt the weight lifted off my shoulder when she goes to the tutorial and he breaks down. You don't need this. You need this. And yeah. When she just leaves it in the donation bin. But it was so cool to see that other people were able to do it. Because I thought everyone had to carry 70, 80 pounds. Oh, my God, I had no, no idea. No. Neither did she. No, exactly. No, I, I mean, I wouldn't even know what number to guess for the size of a pack to go hiking. But I'm a bad packer to begin with. So <laughs> I would have brought, like, 30 pairs of flip-flops and then, like, you know one pair of hiking shorts. <laughs> if there's anything I would want to bring, I, I wouldn't want to use these hiking shoes or anything similar to that. I'm more of like a really natural guy, so I want to use Vibrams. You guys know those shoes? I know. Uh, oh, the toes? Yeah, like the toe oh, shoes. Mm-hmm. And like, oh. not, not the other ones. Not the Fila ones. I mean like the Is Vibrams. Is there support systems in the arches? That, see, that's the point. It's not supposed to have any support. It just protects you from getting stabbed and stuff, but there's no support, so your body's supposed to naturally move with like the rocks and stuff. So that you don't like you feel what you're doing as opposed to in shoes, it's kind of like a flipper. It's like wearing really? a, like a flipper on your feet. So is that healthier for your feet yes. and your nerves? Yes, it's supposed to like loose. better strengthen your muscles in your feet, which nobody uses because we have like these shoes. shoes on, which like totally protect us from everything. I wonder though how that affects your ankles because like twisting your ankle is so easy. Yeah, no, this it, it's supposed to counteract that. With with the shoe on, it it makes it so that you're just gonna go with whatever way the shoes go. Yeah. But if you're using the Vibrams, they're so thin, it, they just like conform to your foot. Wow. Were those invented in the nineties? No, they weren't. <laughs> no, they're a new thing. <laughs> yeah, they're they're new. made to yeah. make your feet work the way we were created to yes, walk. Exactly. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was hiking on the Appalachian Trail and on the Smokies, there was always oh. people I'd run into who were barefoot. Oh, it was like yeah. a, a thing. Wow. Which, um, so when she lost her shoes, I, I obviously felt bad since her feet were in such horrible shape, but it didn't, it didn't make me think, oh, it's a, it's, she better turn around, call, <laughs> you know, she better call for pizza and the police. <laughs> They don't step on twigs, or they do, and they just don't care. They do, but your feet, like, callous up very quickly. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then some people would hike in, like, moccasins, which is just, like, fabric. Yeah. That's just silly. Silly, yeah. (laughs) Eagle Scouts wear. Well, I wear boots (laughs) that we broke in. So you did hike the Appalachians. Yeah. How? Not start to finish, but, like, large sections. That's very impressive. Cheryl alludes to the Appalachians in the book, doesn't she? Yeah. It's comparable to... Well, 
No, she she, she would said say, that there's more ta- more interaction. Yes. It's the and East Coast desert. version, yeah. so they're like, a lot more flat over there. And she said people who couldn't finish the PCT would often go over there yeah. and finish up over there, which actually confused me because it's not like they're a hop and a car right away. No, you know, it's, it's East Coast, West Coast, yeah, yeah. It's thousands of miles you away. Hitchhike. Yeah, that's a long way. I love the people that she met though on the trail mm-hmm. and the hitchhiking. It takes like a very specific person to want to pick up a hitchhiker. I don't know if you guys have, but I so far had no desire to. And then, like, meeting Lou, who when her, like, child died, took the Lou out of the Lou. I was like, oh. I just feel like so many people, like, would open up to Cheryl. It was nice. I, as well, was very startled by how many people picked her up. But then she did make a note that she is a girl. And, I mean, to be honest, if I saw a girl on the side of the road, I'd be more likely to pick up a woman than a man. I think that's just the way our brains work. Yeah. Um... But I really, it made me so happy when she talked about how she discovered that the majority of the people she encountered were good people. There's a lot of good generosity in this world. And I had a job where I traveled the country for a year and I was always um, by myself and I didn't know anybody. And I had the same experience. I encountered for every one crappy person I had to talk to, there were 20 wonderful people who had only met me for a minute and already offered me, offered to have me over at their home for dinner or stay the night at their place for free. And so I'm really glad that there was another person that acknowledged that, yes, there are bad things that can happen to you, but there are so many good people and she gave credit where it's due. And do you think that you had that experience because you are a female? I do. I think that people... um, we seem harmless. Less threatening. Yeah, less cl- threatening. Cliche. Yeah, and, and you know, um, she, when I was on this job, people would make the same comments to me in the same order that they did to her. First, it would open up with your looks. And they would say, oh, well, she's a pretty go- girl. So if you're a pretty girl, you're less threatening. And then from there, it's like, well, why don't I give you a ride? Oh, you seem nice enough. Why don't I buy you dinner? But nobody, like, nobody ever thought I'm giving a ride to a, a whore and a heroin addict, you know? I mean, (laughs) but because she came across as this pretty nice girl, she had some really good experiences. And I'm curious to, I almost wish I could call up some of the guy hikers that she references. And and they do make points where they said nobody would give us rides. You know, how how much generosity the men received as as opposed to the women. They definitely didn't want to, that ranger definitely didn't even want to invite him in for drinks into his cabin. He just wanted Cheryl to come in. mm -hmm. Him and his drooly lip were all about, (laughs) all about Cheryl. Yeah, that was wild. (laughs) I I was grossed out reading that. I just pictured like, drool running down his face and like he spits when he talks and <laughs> he's got like that's, chest hair that's, coming out of that's him. That's so funny that you say drooly and it's it was because of his ailment but I'm thinking also like he's drooling over her because he's so maybe infatuated yeah. with her too. Yeah. Just this like young blonde girl. But it was so, I, I thought it was so nice too that they're like sh- um Whenever they'd see, like, another hiker on the trail, like, the immediate, like, bonding they had of, like, the shared experience of, like, oh, my God, my feet are killing me, too. Oh, oh, you're Cheryl Strait. We've been trying to catch up to you. We saw your name in the trail log. Wow, you're, you're like a celebrity. You're a girl by yourself. Yeah. And, um, I loved Clyde, the, um, the, um, guy experimenting with being a hermit. The, who, um, they had tea in the back of the truck. I was like, that's just such like a wonderful like moment that will probably never happen to the majority of the people in the world. But um, I wrote it down. I love the quote he said. Um, they're talking about reincarnation. And he said, 
I believe that we are here once and what we do matters. Mm. And not to be judgmental, but I thought it was interesting that he had that deep belief and yet he's like living alone and like just not doing anything to help the world. I don't know. Refresh me. Who was Clyde? This was the guy that was in town, the same town as Jonathan. Yes. The dude that she had the, the sexual escapade okay. with. She went oh. to the back of his truck. They had a tea and like yeah. chewed opium that he yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. And then gotcha. she was like, I don't think I should do yeah, this. I'm going to go back into town. <laughs> yeah. Opium and he was like a very like non-threatening guy. Yeah. Did you guys have like favorite trail mates she made? Um, I like Doug. He was really friendly. He was the one that... I really pictured the most in my mind. The other guys, like the three guys together, I kind of, I the remember that. The young bucks. <laughs> the three young bucks. They had they had a nice little chemistry, like them. And then, of course, she connected more with one of the guys. I forget his name. Rick. Rick, yeah. And when they were in the back of the truck together sleeping there, and she was like nestled against him, and they, they were just like, I like this moment. This is really nice. I'm enjoying this with you, you know? And she could yeah. maybe see herself being with him romantically, but they're like, you know what? This is okay. I'm all, I'm all leave it at that. Yeah. I, um, it, it warmed my heart when, who's the guy that helped her go through her pack? Was that Albert? I don't remember. There I was like this like father-son combination. Yeah. And he was very religious and he didn't do, he just gave her like a stern look when he caught the condoms. Ah. And I thought that was a sweet relationship. It was like he kind of took her under his wing in a fatherly way. And I was kind of hoping that they would play catch up um, a lot throughout the book. Oh, yeah. I agree with what you said, though, Cassidy. When he lightened her pack, it was like the high point of the first third of the book. Like, we were just like rejoicing with her. Remember, it was one of the first people she met, and um, they're talking, and he decides, he says he's going to go through the snow, and then he's not, but when she finally finds out that he quit the trail, who was his name? Was that Greg? Yes. Greg was my favorite, because she felt like she had this camaraderie with him, it was her buddy they were going to do together, they were going to meet up, and I felt so much disappointment when it turns out that he decided not to do it, because then it's like she's in it all by herself, and even if... If I were the girl, I would think, well, if he can't do it, then why the hell am I doing it? Well, yeah, and then as a reader for me, though, I was like, man, Cheryl Strait is brave. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like, she's continuing on. But don't, you know when you're doing something crazy, you want everyone else to do something crazy with you? And that's how I feel. I'm like, let's just, if, you know, all do it together. So the fact that, like, she's still doing it and he's not, it made me think that I would be like, well, maybe this is not such a good idea. After all, he didn't even do it. But... She keeps on it. So yeah. I feel that. like that thought did run through her mind, and she she put it down in the book. I kind of vaguely remember her saying that. Something something to that effect. Yeah, and it just showed, like, how crazy brave she was and optimistic. Like, she, I don't know if she wanted to give up a couple times, but it's pretty amazing and admirable that she never did. Being out there in the snow, having to learn how to use the ice axe to, if you oh. fall, you gotta do this with it, and you gotta dig. And being in the snow when it's covering the trail and you can't see where the trail yeah, is, like, that was terrifying. She could have gotten Her snow blind so compass, many times, too, or hypothermia. The yeah. compass and the map, I thought, I'm never gonna use my iPhone maps again. I depend <laughs> on this thing 
way too much. Yep. I'm gonna be like Cheryl. I'm just gonna use the compass on my map. Oh, good luck. The, yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> stick with my eyes. No, <laughs> she was just there. She couldn't see the trail. She's looking yeah. at the map with the compass, and she's just working it out. It I know. So I thought to myself what I would do if I was out there. Now with our modern technology, I'll get. I'll take a hand crank with me, a charger to, <laughs> to charge stuff up. Just gotta do it at night, you know, when I'm not walking around, and yeah. I'll charge up my GPS. Like I'll get one of those. Is like, that real? Those really good GPS. Yeah, the hand crank things. For yeah. an iPhone? No, yeah, you can oh, do them I've for anything. Yeah, go to you can go to like TJ Maxx or like <laughs> Best Buy, you know, like or Marshalls, like one of the cheapo places. They'll instead of like forty five bucks, they're like twenty bucks or something. Oh my god! So you can totally do that and go out there with the GPS. Like prob- send it to her. probably not a phone <laughs> GPS, but like a real satellite legit GPS. You know, the ones Perhaps with the thick antennas. Perhaps that defeats a lot of the purpose. Yes, it may, <laughs> it may. But I want, I would want to at least feel kind of like where I know where I am, like get my bearings out there a little bit more and right. not get lost. Okay, Cassidy, you got to tell us about the Rainbow Gathering. Okay, so when I was in the second grade, which would have been 1997, so it's funny because this was at the height of the popularity, I guess, with the mid-90s, yeah. my parents took me to a Rainbow Gathering at the Ocala National Forest in Florida. So are there multiple ones around the country? Yeah, there's different oh. gatherings, and people either travel to different ones together, or they convene locally, and you know, there's... And somehow, I mean, the internet wasn't so big back then. I mean, my parents didn't use the internet, so I don't know how in 1997 they figured out about this rainbow gathering. But it's funny, I think you're the opposite of your parents. Like, I'm pretty conservative now, and I'm not that into, like, being into the hippie world, but they are. So even at seven, I was like, oh, heck no, what is this? I'm not going to the rainbow gathering. <laughs> but they forced me to go because they said I needed to appreciate nature and be one wow. with Mother Earth. Wow. So Total there's a hippies. lot of nudity. It was the first time I saw a guy naked. And that's when my <laughs> mom finally was like, okay, this is a little inappropriate to my dad. She was like, you know, I don't want to, like, tarnish her innocence. So wow. As she's eye level with a naked man. So there was, <laughs> right, exactly. There was an area for kids so that um, the nudity was not allowed around the kids. And I remember there um, was lots of pots and pans and food, and it was on the fire. My parents kept eating it. I remember being like, this looks really dirty. I was seven, and I was just so not into it. Looking at you now, it looks like the exact opposite of like who <laughs> I would ever imagine. Yeah, really? I mean, I remember there was lots of dancing. It was definitely the definitive time I realized what weed smells like. Like, I smelled it a lot as a kid, just being around the neighborhood. But <laughs> it wasn't until I was there, I was like, this is what marijuana is. Like, I had so many discoveries on this two-day uh, camping at Rainbow Gathering. Oh, my wow. God. And, <laughs> You know, but it's funny. Like, my dad was a deadhead. I named after a Grateful Dead song. You know, Jerry Is it true Garcia. your middle name is Rainforest? It is Rainforest. Oh, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> my mom kept... My mom, I'm That's wild. Say, my mom kept recommending this book to me, and she mailed it to me, like, a year and a half ago in 2012, and I remember just donating it to Out of the Closet. Wild? Yeah. Oh, I was no like, way. oh, I don't want to read it. Sh- I hope Cheryl isn't listening. <laughs> you know what? Because I had preconceived ideas. of like, oh, some hippie. I don't want to read this. You She's know She's been what? to the Rainbow Gathering. Yeah, so it wasn't really until... I mean, I go so back and forth on hippie stuff because sometimes I'm really like... I'm vegetarian, so I like people that are yeah. eating from the earth and things, but I'm not into like the hippie, like the drug use and all that. I just... When you grow up with that... When you're an adult, you want the opposite of what you grew up with. You want just, like, clean and, you know, no drugs. You got to rebel, yeah. Yeah, so the Rainbow Gathering, um, 
I, it's it's only something I can say my parents did in the 90s and brought me to. It's something um, I laugh about now, but I was so, I was just tarnished. Like traumatized? At the time. I was, yeah, traumatized. Wow. I was just hating every second. And then I remember it started raining and a lot of the vans got stuck in the mud. So everybody needed to help each other get out. So it was like the middle of the night, the next day that we were leaving and the campsite and people were trying to get out and they were all helping each other. But I remember just sitting and being like, get me out of here. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. Oh, my God. Does the Rainbow Gathering still exist today in America? I can't tell you that I've looked it up lately. Okay, I will (laughs) afterward. So, one thing that I was really struck by about Cheryl on the trail was how aware she was of um, just being a woman still in this, like, world of, like, men and women, but that she was a woman. And when she, like, finally met up with the guys and they're going out to eat, she's, like, you know, combing her hair. She puts her necklace on. And to me, being on the trail, you are, you've been sweating all day, you're dirty, you pee outside, you don't wash your hands, you go to bed, and the next day, you put on the exact same shirt and you do it all again. And it's a very, like, genderless place. Mm-hmm. So for Cassie and Kylie, like the women, were you guys surprised by that well, with her? I have to tell you, because I went to Joshua Tree, and it was a three-day camping trip. There are no showers, no internet, no anything. This was last year, and we were hiking, and yeah. I hadn't read the book yet. And um, I was just miserable. Like, I wanted a shower. I wanted my deodorant. I wanted to brush my teeth, wash my face. And I remember on day three, we were driving back to L.A., and some of our friends were getting brunch at um, this resort in Palm Springs. So we went by the pool, and I smelled so bad. And I just saw, like, a community shower by the pool. And I was like, oh. And I've never had such a wonderful shower in my life. Like, all the dirt, all the grime just melted off of me. And I... When I was reading the part about her getting out her clean set of clothes and her jeans and getting on real, you know, like, womanly clothes, not just yeah. hiking. You know, I was wearing hiking pants the whole time I was camping because I didn't want to get ticks or bugs. But So you very much could relate to that with her. Yeah, I related to all of it. You know, just putting on something fitted and pretty and feminine. Oh, How about funny. you, um, I mean, I consider myself a girly girl, but I love camping. Uh, my parents took me camping at a young age, and so I kind of just... I got used to it, and I accept it. But the one thing that would have really gotten to me is when you're, like, when you've been hot and sticky all day, and then you lay down, I I can't sleep. If you've been sweating all day, and you just feel this layer of, like... Just, like, still on you. Yes. I mean, yeah. that is so yeah. uncomfortable. I and And that's where I would draw the line, but I'm, but I'm I, totally... Sorry, I guess the point I was making, though, is that everyone is feeling that, like male and female. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting that she still was a woman, though, feeling yes. these things. I, but you know what? That Where she did talk about going out to dinner and, like, brushing her hair and everything, I would have done the exact same really? thing. I feel like it's because she's she's not on the trail, so it's back to reality. And in reality, she's a little bit more of a girly girl. She's a woman, but on the trail, she's a human being trying to survive. Wow. And that, you know, because she, cause she's on her own on the trail and she's doing her own thing. So then when you're snapped back into reality, you have to kind of get with the environment around you. That's okay, how I saw Talking about it. being a girl, I was really curious to find out how she was going to deal with getting her period on the trail because it's a real woman Yeah, issue. I was just thinking I about that an, right now. I was, first of all, I had never heard of a sponge. A natural sponge. I had, because that's what my mom always talked about. she... Really? She was like, it's more natural. It's not toxic. Oh, All so of her friends were onto the sponges. So progressive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and the the thing that, like, 
made me go was when she she just said I had to stop and squeeze out my yes. sponge. I thought, oh my god! Yeah, oh I didn't god. reread that. And I was like, yeah, Wait, did that I just did. happen? I reread that a couple times, and I thought, she, yep, she's squeezing it out and putting it back in, and then there's her hands that are not going to touch soap for a couple weeks. Yeah, and she just rinsed them off, and someone was coming up the trail. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was like on the side of the road, right? She gave him a high five yeah. or a handshake or something. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, yeah I like wild. the title. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's like a testament to her writing that she was trying to act tough in front of these guys. You know, she's like twirling her necklace, trying to be flirty. And then she finally meets women on the trail. And it was like easy bonding. Like, oh my god, I smell so bad, too. Yeah. And I could just, like, feel that in the writing. I am try- I found a quote. I'm trying to find it, and I can't remember. But there was a moment where she talked about that. And I I think I would have done the same thing. It's like she had to toughen up. And when you're around men, you just got to blend in. Um, I think she talked about that early on where it's like, you know, you're one of the boys, and you don't want to be the odd man out. So just be like them and be rough and, you know, a little crazy and swear a little bit and be dirty but then when you're around the girls you can be girlier but I think she wanted to blend in in every environment she was in for um, a respect level you know like she wanted to believe in herself that she could do this trail just as much as everybody else even though she was horribly underqualified and so to kind of have the attitude that she was better at it than she was I think is it, it, it made her believe that she was better than she was. And that's what got her through those really yeah. difficult moments. I feel like her being underqualified on that same wavelength, uh, it, it's really inspiring for us, the readers, because it makes us feel like, man, I never hike or I never do this, I never do that. Whatever the activities you you want to do, of course, don't do something that's stupidly dangerous, right? But it makes it feel like, whoa, I want to go out there. I want to just do something, you know, like to hell with reading everything on it and just like trying to do as much, much research so I don't get killed. Let's just do it and let's like kind of have fun. Let's do it with somebody, you know, let's do it with a friend or like or a spouse or whatever. Absolutely. It always seems good at the time. I always hear parents or older people say, oh, you know, back then we did all that stuff. You No one would ever do it now. Like, kids never, you know, roam around in the neighborhoods. They have to stay. You know, like, they hitchhike. They did all these crazy things. But talking about women and being on the trail, were you? what did you guys think about when the two women left her? They got the ride, and they just said that they would catch up with her later when they were hitchhiking. And remember, she's left behind, and later she says, like, oh, I kind of wish I had taken that chance to go with them. Did you think that the woman should have stuck with her as kind of a camaraderie, you know, to make sure? Or did they have no responsibility? Well, for me, I felt like um, it seemed throughout this book that there was kind of an unspoken pact among other hikers where it's like give them space if they want it, but offer help too. Because there were plenty of times where I thought, she really should be sticking with that person. And they would offer help, but she'd say, no, no, no. And I'm, I'm sure that uh, the people that offered her help was like, well, I, she probably is really going to wish that she had taken up on my offer. But she insisted, and, and you know what, a hiker's on their own mission. And I think that they were like, okay, well, we respect that maybe she just wants yeah. to be on her own. And she made a point to say that she wanted to finish the way she started alone. And she was on this journey by herself. 
And as much as she needed help, she needed to get through it herself. But for that example, hitchhiking, I think they've been out there trying to get a ride for so long. Three people are not going to get picked up, sure, but yeah. like one person could. And yeah. it just like, just, yeah. I mean, if I was those two girls, I would have just taken it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, I would have felt bad, but I would have been like, well, hell. I want to ride. No, yeah. I would have taken it too, but there's something about being on the trail. They mentioned catching up, leaving, falling behind, where if you're waiting and then, you know, you're just kind of being left in the dust, I would, I'd want to be in front of them and let them be in the back. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> totally. I, to me. I wouldn't have been too nice. I would have been like, well, I'm for sure in this truck. You two can fight it out Yeah. yeah. for the other seat. Yeah. So what did you guys think about the ending? I was really satisfied with it. I like that there was no, like, epilogue chapter. It was just she got there, she ate her ice cream, which I was happy about, and, you know, life ended happily. Was it, like, good for you guys? It was quick. I feel like it was good. They they did wrap it up there. I kind of felt, like, to myself, that's where I was getting with that, that point with Jonathan. When she met him, I was like, okay, we're getting pretty close to the end. Like, the pages are getting thin on the book, you know? So I was like, okay, so is she going to wrap this up fast? How is she going to do this, you know? So she ended up, like, wrapping it up quickly, which... To me, it was kind of anticlimactic a little bit, but I guess that's that's the point of a memoir. You know, it's more about the journey as opposed to, you know, where you're going to totally. go. Because we know that she's she's writing this book, you know, decades later, and it's gonna, she's going to be safer. She's going to be at home as opposed to on the PCT. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like the, the whole quest, yeah, it was just a lot more exhilarating than the ending, and it, it was wrapped up a little quick for my taste. I was very happy with the ending. I think it was short and sweet, and I could feel it coming for quite a while. It, it felt like it was starting to come together nicely. And the only thing was I was I was anxious to know about how her life continued afterwards. I didn't want the book to to go on with her afterlife, but I was hoping there was maybe a little, oh, I little epilogue. Like, you know, three weeks later, Lisa picked me up. I had sex with Joe again, and I'm using heroin. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I don't want that to happen, but I, I was just curious about if she was going to just give a little blip of life after the trail. So she has other books. Are the other books about life after the trail? No. no one is different. a novel, okay. which is um, completely like fiction, and the other one is Tiny Beautiful Things, which I have to highly, highly recommend. Um, she, for many years wrote these Dear Sugar columns online and a, a compilation of those. It came out recently that it's Cheryl Strayed, author of Wild. Um, and I do not like those compilation books of like letters back and forth. But that being said, it was riveting and wonderful and classic Cheryl Strayed. It's cool that she's done that and she was the voice of it because did anyone ever read The Salon of Carrie Tennis? No. It's kind of a similar thing, but it's a male point of view. And uh, it's just so thrilling that it's her behind those columns. Yeah. And it's not just like, you should break up with him. It's not good for you. It's like, you should break up with him because here's what happened to me. Everything went down the drain and maybe he's not good for you. I cannot recommend it enough. <laughs> then again, I'm a big fan of hers, as we can tell. <laughs> um, so we can't leave without mentioning Reese Witherspoon. Just I'm very quick, so yay or nay. Oh, really? I'm a big Reese fan. I think this will be a nice change of pace for her. Okay. As far as her, oh, somebody's not thrilled. I'm a big Reese <laughs> fan, and I, th- you know, what? I'm just, I'm anxious to see um, her in this kind of role okay. because I'm not used to seeing her like that. What do you think, Cassidy? Okay, so. I am not picturing Reese at all, and the issue <laughs> is is that I cannot think of anyone else that could do it. Okay. What is another blonde similar actress? 
To me, Reese is too sweet. She's too, like, innocent almost. And I, that's why I'm excited for her to do this Yeah, role. maybe she's going to be, think she like, it's going it. to be a breakout kind yeah, of thing. Maybe. Where it's going to be outside of the normal characters she normally does. I, I mean, I'm optimistic, um, although she is a good deal older than Cheryl was yeah. in the book at 26, you know, which is fine. I don't she care looks about that. young anyway. Are you looking for someone more Jennifer Lawrence-esque? Um, a little, like, edgier and... No. Okay. Yes and no. Okay. I I don't know. I I can't imagine Reese Witherspoon um, fooling around with a lot of guys and doing heroin. Okay. That being said, though, you know she's an actress, and I couldn't have imagined Matthew McConaughey in Dallas Buyers Club role yeah, two years true. ago. Him acting is the best kept secret in Hollywood. <laughs> you know. Do you guys know who? I mean, well, I guess no one else was really up for the role because Reese is producing right. it, and she was a part of it for years and years. Yeah. So I just it's fun when people get it to imagine who else it would have been. But yeah, I have no idea. And off the top of my head, I can't pick anybody else that could have done it. But um, and also I think Laura Dern is playing the mom. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she's I think. It's eight, either eight or nine years older than Reese, so that yeah. should be interesting. But Laura Reese Dern's is like fifty nine, <laughs> give or take a couple years. I don't know. Uh, Botox, man, it's a beautiful thing, right? I mean, obviously, we're going to see the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I definitely want to see. It's it going to play like one hundred twenty seven hours with he's stuck in the rock and flashbacks. You know, she's stuck in the mountain flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. yeah you guys see totally the see photos that. of her filming with the Bob Marley shirt on yeah. and the USC shirt on. It looks convincing. Yes. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm, excited. I'm are, a big fan. I think it'll be great. Are we going to also talk about like what's going on with Cheryl Strayed right now and like what yeah. kind of events she's doing? I did a little bit of research. I actually tweeted out on my account um, that she's going to be in India coming up uh, this actually this weekend. Is it this weekend? Yeah, the 17th. My through, word. And the 20th. She's going to be in India in Jaipur at the book festival there. And many of her events coming up are going to be uh, panel discussions, and she's going to be teaching writing and stuff. Oh, sweet. And and fast forward, later this year, May 10th, she's going to be in L.A. for a Mother's Daughters conference. Oh, now she's a big, isn't she on like a big feminist board or something? She probably is doing a lot of One of those big feminists. Well, I don't don't know anything about feminism, like like what organizations there are for it, but I saw a little blip that was like, she's the director of something, yada, yada, feminism. So maybe it's like a feminist talk. It's funny to me that you said she's going to be teaching writing because I imagine the way that she's going to teach it is to say, go live it, go experience it and write your journey because some people, I have been to seminars where they talk about how to get your words out, blah, blah. She's just going to there's nothing else that she's done besides lived an unbelievable life and writes about it very convincingly and beautifully. And I think I speak for all of us when we say we would absolutely recommend the book to people, right? Yeah. Yes. Listeners, definitely, even definitely if you have prejudices like I do of what it will be like or imagine it to be, <laughs> yeah, throw those out the window and read it. Absolutely. So if you weren't raised in a hippie family at the Rainbow Gathering, then go ahead and read it. Yeah. <laughs> even just go go to the iTunes bookstore and just download the first fit. Like it's a free sample for the first yeah. fifty pages. It's amazing. Yeah, you'll you'll get sucked in. That first prologue just like wraps <sighs> you right in. Yeah, my makeup was ruined for the day after that first couple chapters. All right, Thanks, well until Sean. next time, tell us where we could find you guys on Twitter. You guys can find me at Sean Austin O on Twitter and Instagram. You can go to my website, CassidyGar.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at the Kylie Hodges or on my website, KylieHodges.com. And I tweet from Jeff Masters One. We also are all AfterBuzz TV hosts, and we will see you next time. Thanks. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye. 
From managing editor Jason Squamata, executive producers Maria Menunos, Phil Svitek, and Kevin Undergaro, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Book Circle Online. For more discussion, go to bookcircleonline.com. And if you have comments, questions, or book title suggestions, write us at info at bookcircleonline.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this is Book Circle Online. BCO, join the circle.